Father, I thank you so much for this uh, opportunity and this chance to preach your word, Lord God. I pray that you, your, your spirit would be in this environment, that you would fill my lungs, Lord God, with truth. Help, us to, help me to edify the body of Christ, Lord God, as this word has edified me. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So I'm going to be preaching from the subject of joy. Now you guys are going to ha have to participate a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but I am a, a, a chocolate preacher. And uh, <laughs> you're like, oh, he said it. Yes, I did. Um, I am that, and so I, I, I appreciate you know, some feedback, you know, the preach it on, praise, you know, hallelujahs, amens, that kind of stuff. So you go, there you go. Oh, she got it. Um, so, so I'm going to need some of that. But right now, just go ahead and say my subject for me. It's rejoice. Can you say rejoice? Rejoice. So we're going to be talking about joy, uh, the joy of the Lord. Uh, but first, let me give you a little bit of context with the, with the passage. Uh, this, Paul is, the scholars, they say that this is actually Paul's most informal book that he's writing. Paul's writing this book to encourage the church. He understands that the, the, the people that are in Philippi, the church, he understands that they are very um, well, they are doctrinized. They, they have it together. They got their stuff together. But how many know that even though you got your stuff together, bad things can still happen to you? Bad things can still happen to you. So he says, okay, I'm going to write to these, this church, and I'm going to edify them. I'm going to speak about joy. Uh, that, that, that joy is not connected to my circumstances, but it's connected to Christ. He says, I'm, I'm going to write about that. And a lot of scholars, they think that that's just the main uh, uh, subject of, the, path, of the, the book, that is joy. Because Paul mentions it 18 times. Paul mentions the word 18 times. But Paul mentions another word about three times that, that many. And it's Christ. Christ is the main subject of the book of Philippians. Is that we have to have Christ in all of our circumstances and we will have this joy. He gives them the command. He says, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. He doubles up on it. Again, rejoice, rejoice, because he understands that if you can rejoice in the pain, if you can rejoice no matter what's going on in your life, you will look a little different and you will be a little different. And so this is what he's, he, he's telling the people, and he comes here to this passage in verse 4, and he really just lets them have it here. He says rejoice. They had a little dispute in the church, uh, but he says work it out. In verse 1 through 3, he says, work it out. But then he says, I want you to rejoice. Can you say rejoice again for me? And, and so Paul, once again, that, that joy, to explain this, joy is not uh, something that is circumstantial. Joy is something that we must have when we are connected to Christ, when we have faith in Christ, when we can believe in who he is. Uh, it reminds me of Paul, Paul, when he, he says in another passage, he says that though I suffer, he says, I can suffer, but I've got joy because I've got Christ. He, said, he, he understood that my, my brokenness and my, my, my imprisonment, it, it actually meant that other people would be blessed by me. That if I can go through that, other people will actually be blessed. So he says rejoice. In Romans he says, he says I, I want you to rejoice in all things. He says don't just rejoice that you've been saved. He says but also rejoice in the fact that you're going through a trial. Just re rejoice that you're going through a little bit of suffering. He says because suffering and your trials and, 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 perse and persecution, things like that, they actually lead to your character being developed. And your character being developed brings about perse uh, perseverance. And your perseverance brings about a hope. He says it brings about a hope that you can look to something 
beyond yourself. He says people earlier on in, in, in the earlier chapters, he says people have been preaching the gospel to shut me up. He says, but I still rejoice in that. He says, because Christ is proclaimed no matter what. He says, so I'm going to rejoice in all circumstances. He says, I have learned to be content in all circumstances. Whether I have nothing, another place he says, I can have absolutely nothing, but I'm rich if I have Christ. He says, it doesn't matter if I have nothing, I've, I can be content. If, if I have it all, then I'm still content. You can have money, you can have the car, you can have the home, but you can also be homeless in an alley. And he says, you've got to have joy no matter what. Paul says, rejoice in all things, which is crazy because Paul rejoiced in all things. I can't handle when a teacher doesn't try to live out <laughs> what he's telling you what to do. You can't do it perfectly. I can't do it perfectly. But Paul definitely modeled for us this command. He says, rejoice in all things. Let, let, me, let me pick back up here in verse 4, and we're going to walk a little slower through this passage. Verse 4, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Notice, notice that it's in the Lord. Notice that position. It has to be in something. Isn't that crazy? It has to be, if you are in Christ, then you can have the joy. You have to be connected to him. John chapter 15, you have to abide in who he is. Abide in him. Abide in his word. Pray. Come to worship. This is why, why we worship the way we do. Is because when we worship that way, then we can get the joy. And we, we are actually connected as a vine is to a tree into Christ. He says, let your reasonableness be known to all. Why does he say let your reasonableness be known to all? Why? Why do you have to let your reasonableness be known to all? Because your actions authenticate your words and your rejoicing. You can rejoice all day. I'm happy, I'm happy. But then if you're, you know, cutting up and you're doing bad things and you're, it just doesn't work. He says, I want you to let your reasonableness, in other words, be gentle, be kind to people. If you can do that and you can rejoice, he says, then it becomes glorious. It becomes incredible. Your works actually give credence to your words. I never understood, like I said, 11, 11 brothers and sisters, my parents, never understood. Every time we would go, we'd go to a bunch of different churches as kids. We, we would always go to church, and, and, and they would always come to my mother and be like, whoa, what a, what a saint. You're, you're such a blessed woman. You're amazing. You're awesome. I'm like, I mean, she's cool, but like, oh, like is she really that cool? <laughs> like, come on. I mean, why does mom always get the praise? And I'm young. I didn't understand. But later on, I started to finally understand. It was, oh, to raise 11 kids, and then I thought about how bad we were. I was like, oh, okay, I really get it now. Um, to, to raise that many kids and not to lose your mind and to rejoice, to, to proclaim, kids, you got to love God, but and then once again to rejoice in it, that's pretty amazing. That's awesome. It's so crazy. Peter, Peter says that, he, he says that if you can rejoice in all things in 1 Peter, he says if you can rejoice and your words match your actions, he says it becomes glorious. People look at you and they're like, wow, that's amazing. How could you be on the hospital bed and still rejoice? How could you raise those crazy kids and still rejoice? Like you can do that? It's incredible. It sets us apart from, from the world. You know, it's real easy to rejoice when everything's going right. But when things are going wrong, can you still rejoice? Can you still praise him in the midst of the process, and in, in the midst of a trial? Can you still praise him? Can you still rejoice even when they are going crazy, the kids, and, and when, when you're in college and you just don't know what to do with life? You still got to rejoice. And so he says rejoice in all things and let your reasonableness be known to all. It says, let your reasonableness be known to all, for the Lord is at hand. 
So like I said, I went to college my, my freshman year and I followed my brother Isaiah to play, to play baseball there. And I, I was a little different. I was, I was crazy. I, I, I didn't go to, to the school. It was, a, it was a Christian school. I didn't go there to, uh, for God. I didn't go there for God. I actually went there for baseball. But you guys understand that God's still got a purpose on your life. And even if you run from him, he's going to chase you down. He's going to get you. So he found me and he chased me down. That first year he got me and I fell in love with who he was. I'd sit in chapels angry, but then I just could not deny the word of God and, the, and what I was seeing. There was a guy named DJ who had discipled me at the time. It was incredible. Um, I, I became a Christian essentially my freshman year. And you know, when you become a Christian, that first love, mm, my goodness, you can't get enough of it. So I was crazy. I was one of those little crazy freshmen. I'd run around on campus. I was like, ah, I got, you know, I got Jesus, and this is incredible. And I was playing on uh, the baseball team, and I went to my brothers, and I went to the captains of the team. I said, here's the thing. God is going to do something amazing. God is going to do something amazing on this team. We've got to learn to believe it. Like, is God going to, he's going to do something amazing? And they were all like, Sure, man, that's awesome. God's going to do something cool. And so, but they actually, they, they were like, okay, you know what, we're going to agree with this. God's going to do something cool. And, and, and I'm not sure how many Christians really understand this, but when God's going to do something amazing, you still got to work pretty hard. And, and so we, we <laughs> some of you are like, oh, he said it. You, you still got to work because what you sow is what, you, what you'll reap. You know, what you do in the dark it will, will be shown in the light. You, you can want the blessing, but you still got to work for it. We were created for good works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. So we worked for it. We said, okay, you know what? Once a week, we will have a prayer meeting, and we'll pray towards what God is going to do. Uh, once a week, we'll have a Bible study, and we'll kind of keep Christ first in what we do. And, and we, will, we will always know that God is going to do something amazing. And we'll, 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 we'll work. We'll, we'll hit baseballs, and we'll do all that kind of stuff. So we were crazy. We were radical that first semester in the fall. We were just like, man, God is going to do something good. And you know what? It gave us a lot of joy. <laughs> it gave us a lot of joy. We, we didn't even get the prize yet, but the fact that we had the right perspective helped us to go through the process, if, if that makes sense. We, 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 we had joy before we even got going. We had that joy because we had the right perspective. And so I think the first thing here, if, if we really want to rejoice in all things, we have to have the right perspective. We have to understand, as we saw here with the Grace family of churches, that we are citizens on the earth. We're citizens waiting to be who we will be. But the fact that we are here right now means that we have some work to do. And it should give us joy that Christ already did the work for us, and now we're just walking it out. That should give us the right perspective. We had the right perspective. I was thinking about this this week as I was looking at this passage. I saw this in my devotion. I I wonder why, if you just ask these type of questions, like, why was Jesus actually able to bear the cross? How did he have enough strength to go through something like that? Yes, he was God, but he was also fully man. How, how was he able to do that, to go through those pains? Because it wasn't just a physical thing that he went through. It was also a solistic thing. His mind, his emotions, those things were torn. It says he was with the right hand, at the right hand of the Father, with, with, with God. He had complete joy in his presence. How was he able to go through the cross? And then, and then I was reading, and, I, and I, I, I saw this, and you know when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's down and he's praying and he's dropping blood and He's doing all that, and he's like, Lord, take this away from me. You got to think about that. Jesus was like, I can't do this. This is too much. 
take this away from me? Does God take it away? No. No, 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 no. Jesus understands that my brokenness is their blessing. That, that it, it, like it says in Hebrews chapter 4, that if I can endure this, I'm going to bring many sons and daughters to glory with me. So he's able to go through it. But watch this. In, in Luke, it says that an angel comes to him. An angel comes to him and strengthens him in that moment. And he's able to go and he's able to walk through the cross and he's able to do that. What, what, how was he strengthened? And truth is, I'm not sure if we know completely, but what I actually think happened is the angel reminded him of the end. The angel reminded him. The angel put back into perspective what you're doing. That you're, you're going to bring Simeon, Simeon, your freshman year in college, like you're going to bring him to glory, Jesus. So press on through. And in Hebrews chapter 12, this is kind of where I get this from. I'm not just making it up. It says, and therefore, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, if you want to turn there or look at it. Hebrews 12 chapter, uh, it's up on the screen. There you go. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now here it is, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So in other words, Jesus' present disposition was determined by his future destination. In other words... Jesus remembered where he came from. He knew that there was joy at the end of the road. He knew that I'm going to be at the right hand of the Father, though I'm not obedient. It says in Hebrews chapter 5, it says, though he was perfect, he still had to learn obedience. He still had to go through some of the suffering that he went through. I believe the angel came and he strengthened him, put back into perspective and said, keep pressing on. It doesn't matter. Keep pressing on, Jesus, because people are relying on you. They're waiting for you. Let me give you the right perspective. Though it's hard right now at the job, let me give you the right perspective. Though it's hard to raise the kids, let me give you the right perspective. There will be something God is doing in their lives. Though You start the business, right? You start it up, but you start out with the right perspective this time. You start out, wait a second, God is going to use this for my glory. God is going to use this for him. This is how I'm going to fulfill the Great Commission. I'm a teacher at school, but I'm still going to have the right perspective that what I'm doing with these kids, that what I'm doing at the school is actually for God, and it's for his glory, and it's for his Great Commission, that I have the right perspective when I start out. The house church that I go to is to strengthen me. It's to strengthen me. The church that I come here, it's to strengthen me. It's to put into perspective what I'm doing. It's to put into perspective that I am a sojourner, that I'm not there yet, but I will get there. And when, before I get there, I have to have the right perspective to remind me what I will have when I'm there. You've got to have the right perspective before you start. Have the right perspective. And I believe Jesus was strengthened through that. Let's pick up in verse 6. He says, do not, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, man, how many want that peace? The peace of God, 
which are, when all hell's breaking loose, when it's terrible, when you don't know who to turn to, when a doctor can't fix the issue, when a psychologist, child psychologist can't fix the issue, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, his ways are higher than ours, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Ain't it crazy how we could be so anxious? Anxious anxiety. No joke, I remember in college, I used to be so anxious about everything. And, and <laughs> no joke, losing my keys. Anybody ever lose their keys? Yes, it's true. I, oh my goodness, I lose my keys every day and I'm just like, my whole day's over. I don't know what to do. Where's my keys? And they just happen to be in your pocket every single time. We could be anxious about some of the silly things, can't we? But we can also be anxious about the bigger things as well. We could be anxious about paying both the bill. Like, how am I going to pay the water bill and the phone bill, God? You know, how am I going to get through this class? How am I going to press on, God? How am I going to do this? A lot of hows. But he says, do not be anxious. I want to say this. I want to say that the antidote to anxiety is asking. The antidote to anxiety is asking that if you have pain in the process, we need to pray. You have to have the right perspective, but when you're in it, it gets a little harder. When you're in the trenches, life gets a little tough. It's like, yeah, I can get all happy on Sunday, and man, let's go get them and all that kind of stuff. But Wednesday comes around, oh, man. How do we get through there? How am I going to get back to Sunday? I don't know if I can do this. How do I get through my week? And I'm not even talking about the long-term stuff. Just the week, Simeon. How do you get through the week? Maybe it's just a reminder of that perspective. And we do that by praying. We do that by communing with God. We talk to him. Talk, talk, talk to God. Pray to him. Understand, once again, that we have to abide in who he is. And that one way we do that is by having communion with God. It's by talking to God. I, I'm telling you, prayer. I, I love to wake up every day in the morning and I love to pray because I need that new perspective. I need, to be, I need that perspective to push through the pains of the day, to push through it. You, you got to pray because it, it locks it back in. It locks things in and it shows God, God, I, you, I may not get out of this, but I trust you in it. I trust you in the process. Like, like, like the psalmist says, some may trust in horses and some may trust in chariots, but I will trust in the Lord my God. I don't know where I'm going, like Job says. He says, I, I'm going straight. I don't see him in front of me. I don't perceive him behind me. He's to my right where he's working. I do not see him. To my left, I don't know where he's at. But he says, he knows which way I'll go, though. He knows. And he says, by the time I'm done being tried, I'll come out as gold. It's all about trusting him. It's about trusting him even when you can't trace him. Trusting him. And the way that we tell him, I trust you, is by getting on our hands and knees and saying, Lord, this issue is yours. This one's yours. Now, I know this may not be the perfect example, but let's, let's run back to my story. Uh, we were happy and we, we believed once again in the fall. We were like, God is going to do amazing things. He's going to do awesome things. Oh, I can't wait. And so the springtime comes and, and we get going and I'm, I'm a freshman. I actually start on the team. I'm so excited. And um, we lose our first game. It's fine. It's fine. I'm, I'm like, it's fine. You know, you, you got to pick up the cross to get the 
crown. You understand, you suffer for the glory. So I was like, okay, we can lose a game. That's fine. Then we lose the second game and the, the third game, fourth, fifth, sixth, suffering, seventh, eighth game. And then we lose the ninth game, the 10th game, the 11th game. Stop. The 12th game. The 13th game. So 0 and 13, okay? 0 and 13. Imagine that. So happy to start out. Perfect perspective. I'm going to get somewhere. Lord, oh, we're praising you before we get going, and this is awesome. About 0 and 13, I don't know about that. Like when you are the worst in the world, the worst in the country, it kind of hurts a little bit. <laughs> when you have these big goals and you're just garbage, it's, it's, it's hard. Some of you are like, oh, my gosh, it's just a sport. For me, it was, it was hard, okay? For me, it was really hard. And, and I'm a freshman, and I'm sitting there like, I can't even believe this. God, I thought you were going to do something amazing. And so I just, I quit in my mind. I tapped out, and pretty much everybody on the team did. But it was about 0 and 13 that my brother, Isaiah, he comes up to me, and he's a junior at the time. He comes up to me, and he says, Simeon, let me, let me tell you about a conversation that I just had with my girlfriend. He says, I was complaining to her, and I was, you know, telling her this is the worst, and, wow, I can't even believe this is happening. He was our number one pitcher at the time. And she looked at him, and she said, Isaiah, when's the last time you prayed? When's the last time you went to the word of God? And he went to the word of God, and he began to pray. And no joke, he went to Hebrews chapter 12. He went to Hebrews chapter 12 and saw for the joy that was set before him. He went to 11 and all the way to 12. Remember that it's all about the faith. It's all about believing. What you believed in the beginning, that first love that you once had, get it back. Get it back. Sometimes you don't feel it, but you've got to believe it. And so he began to believe it. He said, I'm going to believe. And so he would just come to us, and he'd be like, all right, guys, here's the thing. We're playing. We're 0-13. We have got to believe. We've got to believe. We've got to have faith in the midst of the trial. We've got to believe. 0-13, we we're like, okay, I don't know about this believing thing. And, and, and we're 0-13, but we go and we play, and we lose the next game. And Isaiah's like, it's fine. We'll just believe. I'm like, Isaiah, shut up. Like, I, we're 0-14. And he's like, like, just believe. And then we play the next game. Oh, and 15. Believe. Shut up, dude. Come on, man. You know those people. Oh, and 16. Oh, and 17. Believe. You. Mm, it was hard. But he still said, believe. Just believe, guys. Believe that God will get us to where he told us we would be. Believe. And then, oh, in 17, Isaiah gets on the mound against the, the, the top team in the conference. He gets up there, and he shuts them out two to nothing. And we, we thought we won the World Series. We are like, <laughs> the worst team in the world. We won a game. It was, it was incredible. We thought we were the, the best in the world, but we still really were terrible. Um, but Isaiah was like, believe. And it's so crazy how one little victory... <laughs> How one little victory from one person's belief can set you off. It's crazy. And that one victory, it gave us so much joy again. We, we, I mean, we were just so happy. 
we were incredibly happy, and we just started saying, okay, we're going to believe. God is going to do something. This is what we thought. This is the story we were going to have. Oh, and 17. Now we're 1 and 17. Yep, this is what we thought. All right, now we're going to go out and win all those games. Um, but I'm going to just read the passage, and I'll, I'll, we might pick back up. <laughs> Cliffhangers. Verse 8. Look at verse 8. Finally, brothers. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think, 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 think about these things. Think about them. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So now I get that peace when I do a couple things, when I think and when I practice. When I think and then when I practice, I, I get the peace from God, who is peace. It's just mind-boggling within itself. He gives me him. When I think and when I practice, when I think about the worthy things, not Netflix, worthy things, even though that's kind of cool, but not that, not, not Infinity War, not Georgia football, y'all on into Georgia football. He says, think about those things that are excellent, that are pure, that are commendable, that are worthy of praise. In other words, what he's saying is think about Christ, the main subject. Think about what he did. Think about where he got you. Think about, yes, you had one little victory, but what about that big victory that he gave you? What about what he did for your life? Yes, yes, it may be hard. It may be hard. You may be one in 17 in your business. You may be one in 17 with the kids. It may be hard. But think about the good things. Just think about them. See, see there's a biblical principle in Romans chapter 8 that says that the mind has the power to transform life. Your mind has the power to transform life. The word think in the Greek, it, it, it can be translated into the word calculate, to weigh it out, to calculate it, to say, is this worth this? Is that worth that? As a man thinks, it says in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes. Another version says, as he calculates in his heart, he becomes that which he thinks that what she thinks. Your thoughts are so important. Block out the negative. Block out the gossip. <laughs> Block it out. Don't, just don't have anything to do with it anymore. We've got to think about one thing. We've got to think about Christ. We've got to think about the word of God. Because the Bible says to do not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed by this. This is why preaching is so important. This is why Bible study is so important. This is why your daily devotions are so important because they help you to think right. They help you to think about what's truly excellent. Yes, the schoolwork is good, but it doesn't get you to think 
about the perfect things of God. Yes, the promotion is awesome, and you're going to have a lot of joy, and it's going to give you happiness. And like Ecclesiastes says, go out and enjoy that, but it's not going to get you to think about the things of God. Yes, the, the, the child uh, coming back and getting the degree and, 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 and marching on, that, that's amazing. That will give you happiness. That's incredible. But it's not going to get you to think about the things of God. It's not going to get you where you need to be. It's not going to get you that thing that will give you that everlasting joy. It's not going to allow you to abide in it. It's not going to. The only thing that does that is when we think on the perfect things of God and then when our thoughts transform into actions and our actions get us to where we need to be. Our actions actually form who I am. They form, the, uh, they authenticate my words. I can rejoice, but he says, be reasonable. He says to practice what you saw in me. Practice what you saw in me. As a quick aside for, for the young ones and some of you old, older ones, you, you understand this. Get, get a mentor. You know, get someone that you can watch. Do it right. Get someone. I need it. Uh, some of you older ones, you know that you need it too. We, we, at Grace, we're talk, we, we love the next generation, every generation, essentially. Get that because we need to model and we need to follow those persons in our life that are modeling it right doesn't mean they're perfect but we need to watch and we need to practice what they are doing so okay i'll come back to the story one in 17 we're happy the victory was great um but we did lose the second the next game we did and we lost the game after that so you can do the math. That's one in 19. <sighs> I'm just a freshman at the time, so give me a break here. But I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> that little victory, it's great. That victory was awesome, and oh, it got us all so fired up. But what happens when you lose after the victory? What happens when you fall down again? I understand, Lord, you've saved me from this, but I keep falling down. What do I do? This is just ridiculous. I get one little victory. I get one little praise at church. One friend just helps me out. And that's amazing. You paid one bill, Lord. That's awesome. But what happens about the next? What about the next six months, Lord? What do I do? What do I do? One in 19. I remember sitting in the outfield, and, and that was it for me. I, I, we won one game, and we were one in 19. I said, I'm done. I remember our starting center fielder's looking at me, and he's like, this is the worst, isn't it? And he's, he's a junior at the time. He's like, this, this stinks, man. I know. This is, this is bad. He's like, I'm not coming back next year. He's a junior. It's like, why would you not come back? I'm not coming back. This is just horrible. And, yeah, we thought we were something, and, yeah, we were believing. And I start to hear the negative things. And I start to allow that to dictate who I was. I started to realize maybe we can't do something awesome. Yes, we're one in 19, but what if we can't do it? Huh. And then I hear my brother way up, believe, believe. I'm like, oh, <laughs> he's my brother, I know. Believe, and he's, believe. And then I had the decision. And I'm not going to lie, we did win some games. But then you have the decision of, am I going to live in the misery of what I'm going through now? Or am I just going to decide to believe regardless of the circumstance? Am I going to decide to have the faith right now? Or am I just going to believe what people are telling me? 
Am I going to believe that? Because I don't know about you, that, that really is misery for me. That's what it is. I mean, I, 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 I mean I'm mean, i a youth pastor, for goodness sakes. I don't make a lot of money, okay? I, I don't think I ever will. Um, I don't think I'll ever drive the nicest cars and stuff like that. I don't think that will ever happen to me. Uh, but I still have joy right now. I'm not perfect. Do not get me wrong. I am not perfect by any measure. Um, that's why I brought John, just to hallelujah and amen that, 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 that fact. Uh, I'm not perfect by any means, but I still got joy. I really do. I love. I love it. Why? Because I refuse to allow the circumstances of life, I refuse to allow the negative talk, the gossip, all those kind of things to get me down. I just, I, I, I've, I've been there. I have been there. Trust me, you live with 10 brothers and sisters, that's all you get. It's just, I hate you and you hate me and whatever, my God. <laughs> you understand. So I've been there and I've allowed that to get me down. But I said on that baseball team then that I'm actually, you know what, I don't care what happens by the end of the season, I will believe every single day. I will believe it. And then I started to believe with Isaiah, and he, me and him believed, and there's another guy that started to believe, and another guy believed, and we started believing we would win, and we would lose, and then we'd win, lose, and we kept going on, and we said, we're going to believe no matter what happens, we are going to believe no matter what, no matter what life, how life gets you down, you've got to believe, 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 and we believed, and we ended up going to the conference tournament, and we believed, and my goodness, we caught momentum, we ended up going all the way to the World Series eventually, we beat the number seven team in the nation. It was incredible. And people on campus, I mean, they were like, my goodness, God must be a part of what they're doing. <laughs> because if you're that bad, <laughs> you got it. Some of you still don't get it, but it's fine. <laughs> Later this afternoon. Oh. <laughs> but I'm going to close here. I, the, uh, James says, in James chapter 1, he says to count it all joy. In other words, you have to have the perspective. You have to be able to pray, but you also have to count it all joy if you want to practice or do or perform the way that you know you can. I'm telling you right now, I understand that life beats you down. It just does, and I'm young. I, I will understand it more as I keep going. It's not like it's going to get easier. Um, I could get some amens from the older folks, but... It will get harder for me. I understand that. But James says to count it up. He says to weigh it out. Weigh out your options. What you're going through right now, Simeon, is that worth being miserable about? Is, is this worth the, 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 the love of Christ and the gospel and Jesus? Is, is that perspective better than what you're going through now? Count it all joy. That's what I would leave you with is to count it all joy. Because I really believe that, that if we learn, if we learn to do that as a church, we will shine as a light. It, we hear it all the time. We'll let your light shine, all this. What does that really mean? Well, that's what I believe it means. First Peter 1.8, rejoice in all things, he says in Philippians here. Rejoice. Rejoice. I can't, I can only, I, I, I don't, it just, it, it boggles my mind and I would encourage you to continue to think about things like this, how Jesus goes from the right hand of the Father. Psalms chapter 16, he says, prophetically, he says that there is fullness of joy in the presence of the Father. He says, I got full joy up here. 
Before the foundation of the world in John chapter 1, before the foundation of the world, I have joy, Jesus. I've got it. I'm happy. I didn't create you to give me joy. I have what I need. The perfect God, I have what I need. But yet he still decides. He still decides to leave. He still decides to come down for us. He still decides to leave the joy that he once had. He leaves that joy, comes down to earth, wraps himself, tabernacles himself in flesh. Says, I'm fully man now. I'm God, but I'm man. I'm humbling myself, even to death on a cross. I'm going to get down. I'm going to allow myself to be broken. I'm going to go through the trial. I'm going to go through that painful process that nobody understands completely but me. I'm going to go through it. He goes through the process. He has the pain in the garden. He gets the right perspective, gets strengthened, Jesus. He gets strengthened, and he's able to go. He's able to push through it. Do do you not know that he could have called down 12 legions of angels? He could have stopped it. He could have said, I'm not going to go through this. I'm not going to push through the pain. I'm not going to push through it, but now I'm going to because I have the perspective that Grace Marietta will be saved in my name. That Grace Marietta will go out and do some work for me, will proclaim the gospel for me because I'm going to push through it no matter what. And so he pushes through it, and you can imagine him on that road, walking down with the cross on his back, the painful process. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's praying to God the whole time. Jesus said, I don't do a work. I don't do anything if I'm not seeing it from the Father. I commune with God. I talk to God. Before Jesus picked his disciples, he spent all night praying. Praying, going to the cross, limping, bleeding. You've seen the movie, bleed, just, 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 it's terrible. Going to the cross for us, praying, communing with God, keeping the right perspective for the joy that was set before him. The joy that I will get back to Psalm 16. I will get back to the joy that I once had, but I'm going to bring sons and daughters. I'm going to bring billions of you with me. I'm going to bring you all with me because I want to have you to have this glory with me. You will get there. He pushes on. He keeps going. Paul says that for, I I will keep going. Not that I've obtained the perfection. He says, but I'm going to go to because he has made me his own. Christ Jesus has made me his own. And the fact that he's made me his own means that I can pick up my cross with him. That means I can keep going even when I don't think I got it. I can keep going in the work. I can keep going at the house. I can just keep pushing through it. When all hell is breaking loose in my life, I can go because I know I'm getting to heaven. I know I'm gonna, I know I'm a sojourner. I'm gonna keep pressing. He sits on the cross and he says, Father, I commit. I'm done. Take me. Take me. In God's perfect timing. For the Lord is at hand, he says. In God's perfect timing, you'll get the prize. But push through the pain of the process right now. Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness. Oh, we thank you for your goodness. Oh, we thank you for who you are. I thank you for whose I am. That I am yours and you are mine. That life can be hard, God, that it could just it can be rough sometimes. But you still give us this incredible command to rejoice. I'm so grateful that I serve a God that commands me to rejoice. 
doesn't command me to go and, and just, just work for him. Because the Bible tells me that no eye has seen, no ear has heard a God like you that works for those who wait on him. A, a God that commands me to have ultimate joy in him. That says, come to me and I will give you rest. There will be green pastures that you can have this joy. You can go eat. You can have the feast. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all of the days of your life. Guide us, Lord. Guide us to this joy. Just, just guide us there. I, don't, I can't preach it the way I should be able to. To teach your people or even to understand it myself to get there. I can't do that. Only your spirit can lead us. Only your spirit can take us to where we want to be. So in this moment, Lord God, I pray, I pray that you would lead us to this joy. For those who have never experienced this life, this life that is connected with Christ, Lord God, I pray that you would work. It is greater than milk and honey. It is beautiful. It's incredible. It's unspeakable. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We love you. If that's all we can say is we love you, Lord God. Thank you for loving me. In your son's name. Amen.